Thank you, Kim and Janie. That was uh, beautiful, wasn't it? And truly uh, fits so well with what Patrick said as well. Somehow, some way, we begin to think that, well, it's the preacher that is called to do the ministry. And that is far from the truth because the Bible says that the preacher is to equip the congregation to do the work of the ministry. And that we are all ministers. And like Patrick said in his testimony, he got saved, but then surrendered his life. And there needs to be a time where we understand that Jesus owns everything about me. Amen to that? And we want to bring him glory. And that's been our study for the last three months, is bringing glory to the Lord. And I don't know if we have any more handouts there. We have a few we're going to try to finish this up either today or next week, but if you don't have the handout, uh, we're just I'll have the verses on the screen, but you can raise your hand and our ushers will give those out to you. I appreciated the testimonies of uh, um, Patrick this morning and Drew last week. When we commit ourselves to the Lord and God takes hold, he has a journey for all of us, and for us to fulfill what he has will bring him glory. If I try to be like somebody else or do something because someone else is doing it, that might not be my calling. So whatever my calling is, I have a full-time calling to be a Christian. Understand that? In other words, it's not just uh, you get on board, you're born again, you, you know Jesus, you save, you know where you're going. It's the fact that that's a path, that's a journey that leads to heaven, yes. But it's a path that God has for us and whatever he has on that path. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning in this last part of bringing glory to the Lord. And that sometimes on that path, there are some great difficulties. Now, getting into heaven is through Jesus Christ, right? That's why God sent his son to this world. And he died on that cross because we are all sinners and we need to be saved. We need to be rescued from the penalty of our sin. And so we invite Jesus Christ and we put our trust in him and him alone. Not in the church, not in a man, not in anything else, but in him alone. And as we are born again, the Bible says that we're just like babes and we begin this journey. And as we're on this journey and we're growing and we're developing. And we're making progress. And a life is so different. There's a different focus. There's a different direction. That's what repentance is. Man, we are living for ourselves. And now that I've gotten saved, there's a purpose in my life. And it's God. And what does He have for me? And what does He want me to do? And boy, as I get closer and closer to Him, the richer and the richer it gets. But on that path, this weekend... I've been memorizing a lot of different verses, but one that I've known for a long time is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, we can quote it together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now, Donna. Donna. <laughs> This is the thought that came to me. You know, Rose, how many times have you quoted that? Many, many times. Many times. Uh, David, we, we begin to think in our minds that on this path, man, 
Trust in the Lord. Lean on him. All the ways acknowledge him. And my path is going to be roses and gold and woohoo! Yeah. Have you ever thought that on his path is not that? Sometimes it's cancer. Sometimes it's strokes. Sometimes it's financial difficulty or an accident or five-way bypass. Isn't it great to see Chris here this morning? He's looking awful good. I told our Sunday school this morning, we all ought to go in and get one of those. It's done him a world of good. <sighs> then when I said that, I said, Lord, I really didn't mean that, all right? I'm, I'm just being a little facetious, all right? So understand, this morning's message is I'm going to preach to myself probably more than any of you. But may you all listen and catch on. That on our path, there are struggles. There are difficulties. And I'm afraid that we almost have a new kind of Christianity today that is not preparing Christians for the path that's ahead. I've been saying that the last couple of weeks because what we're seeing in these end times as we're approaching that coming of the Lord that, you know, the Bible says that that path and that ways are going to get darker out there in this world and there's going to be troubles and there's going to be trials. And how are we dealing with that? How are we in ourselves understanding that God loves you even though you might have had a heart attack? Or you might have had a divorce in your family or a loved one passed away or whatever it might be. Does God love us? Absolutely. Remember when I questioned God's love because I was digging sewer ditches and everything. And I said, God, how can how can uh, do you really love me? And he says, how can you challenge that? I sent my son to die on the cross so you could go to heaven. How can we challenge that? And yet we begin to think that there must be something that's amiss or some struggles that are going on uh, that have been brought on by ourselves when, when God allows the trials, God allows the test, and God allows the trail that you're on. And so this morning what I want to bring to you is what I call redounding glory. Now all of us want to bring glory to the Lord, Right? We, we do that. Whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we want to bring glory to the Lord. That's what our last 12 weeks has been on, bringing glory to the Lord. But what is redounding glory? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We've already been talking about the defeat of the glory of the Lord, and that is Satan. You know, and beginning to act like Satan, and uh, that, uh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which this waken the nations? In verse 13, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I'll ascend up in the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to the pits, to the sides of the pit. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And we said we need to stop acting like the devil. And in these passages in Isaiah, he talks about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. We need to understand it's not my will, but thine be done. Amen? And so let's stop acting like the devil and going about in our own ways, in our own directions. And we've already talked about how many people are going to find themselves in hell because they're trying to go to heaven their way. There is one way to heaven. And Jesus said it. I'm the way. The truth. And the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What an insult to a holy God to think that I can be good enough. And to think Westside Baptist Church can be good enough? That's not the truth. Jesus Christ is good enough. He's all sufficient. All right, so we understand that. So stop acting like the devil. And then selfishness. And in this selfishness is, is us trying to take the glory for what is accomplished. What is accomplished. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of what? Others. You see, I'm not going to bring glory to the Lord, which is reflecting who God is by looking at how I can take care of me, myself, and I. Sometimes one person said we have our own carnal trinity, me, myself, and I. And when that comes in, that is a degradation to who God is and it takes away from His glory. We've got to get away from selfish living. We need to live for others and there's great joy in living for Jesus who we already talked about and living for others. He says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God because He is God but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And so if I'm going to bring glory to the Lord, I need to get rid of my selfishness and what people think of me or be walking around. What, how, how do people view my life? It's not how people view my life. It's how does God view my life? And the Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own lips. So you taking on, uh, well, something was accomplished and look what I have done that steals it from God's glory. Right? We all understand that. We, we, I think we, in our heads we understand it, but we need to get it in our hearts. And that's where it really needs to penetrate. And this next section, as we capitalize on this, and, and uh, I, I believe it, uh, 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 it was uh, Drew that used this verse last week, if, I, if I'm correct. Isn't it? Uh, Romans 5, 3 and 5. And uh, through 3 through 5. Uh, there was a part of the reading of the scriptures in our Sunday school class uh, Bev, you put this verse on the Sunday school uh, prayer list this morning. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore being justified by faith. In other words, just as if we had not sinned by faith. In other words, when you accept Christ as your Savior, God washes away the penalty of your sin. You've now got peace with God. Amen to that? I'm no more at odds with God. I'm no more an enemy. I no longer belong to the kingdom of, of darkness. I have been translated into the kingdom of light. And I have peace in my soul. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you too can have that great peace. You all know what I'm talking about? It's a marvelous peace. When you face death, you can have that peace and that assurance that you know you're going to heaven when you die. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord for that. We all know about that, or many of us know about that. I hope if you don't, you will come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. You just invite Him in, recognizing yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior. He says, now we have that peace uh, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
Now that word hope is a little bit different than our word hope. The word hope in the Greek language is a confident expectation. By the way, that confident expectation can be of good or of bad. You can be confident that you will not go to heaven if you don't have Jesus Christ. And you can be confident that you will go to heaven if you do have Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? So he says this hope of glory. But now he's, he's talking about, okay, you've been brought into this, the family. You've been saved. You've been born again. He says, and not only so, okay? I mean, here, here's this hope of, of glory that we're going to be with God forever. He says, not only so, but he says we glory in what? Uh-oh. This is going to take on a completely different attitude. In fact, it probably might begin to show how selfish we are because how many of us really do glory in tribulation? This word tribulation is the word pressure, pressed, struggles of life. And how? why would he say we glory in tribulation? He says, knowing... Now, there are two Greek words for knowing. One is an intimate knowledge. That when you get saved, you have an intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's uh, also kind of the word of, of a man knowing a woman, that intimate word. This word here, knowing, is knowing by observation. It's a different word. He says, knowing that tribulation, what does it do? Worth patience. Guess how you are learning patience? Through the trials. God is you to use the things on our journey to build our lives. Yes or no? And in this context here, he's saying, and, and, and Drew brought this up last week. It was, he says, it was through the difficulties and the struggles that I went through that I realized that I don't want to live my life being in control of my life. I want to surrender my life to God. And he says, I know that these trials have brought maturity in my life. Now, we're going to go through this this morning. This is the thing that's really pricking my heart this morning. And this bringing glory to the Lord and redounding glory. That you will be bringing redounding glory to the Lord as you go through the trials and tribulations of life. And you grow your life through it. That's painful. You know, Chris, you went through open heart, or not open heart, but five bypass. I, I imagine it was just a little painful, wasn't it? We could ask Ernie Rankin. Rankin said, he says, I'll die before I go through that again. It's very, how many have had uh, bypass surgery? Okay, was it any fun, Harold? No. (laughs) But you're still alive, aren't you? You see? So what he's saying here, it brings patience. All right? Brings patience. Uh, Knowing, observing. Tribulation worketh patience. Knowing that these these trials, these pressures that are in your life, uh, and, and patience brings what in verse four? Experience. You know what the word experience comes from in the Greek word? Tried character. Tried character. 
You know, you don't really know how much character you have until you go through a struggle or a trial in life. And he says now, he says, as you allow God to take you on this journey and there's trials and there's tribulations, is building your life in this patience, which is a, uh, in an endurance idea there and, and it's producing character that is, that is true character. Character is doing what's right whether you feel like it or not. And the old devil is trying to do everything he can to destroy your character. He says this uh, patience produces this character and this character, this tried character produces this confident expectation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So often though I find myself going on my own strength and I find out how little character I have when I go on my own strength. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You're going to discover the power of God in your life to get through the situations that you're going to deal with. And I tell you what, what a testimony is. How many of us have seen our dear Alicia going through this time? And we're not going to make a hero of her this morning because she really knows who she is in her private moments. Isn't that right, Alicia? But isn't it a testimony? She's in church this morning. Isn't it a testimony? She knows she could die any day. And she's given God the glory. It's not easy. And God doesn't say it's easy. But God wants us to bring Him glory. I remember looking into the eyes of my dear brother Schubert. And and he had had a stroke and could not swallow. And we knew that his days were imminent. And I looked into his eyes and I said, "Brother, Brother Schubert, you're staring at the gates of eternity. Do you have any fear? He shook his head. No. I remembered he was sitting there in his wheelchair and he shook his head no. Because he knows that he knows where he's going to spend eternity. And don't let the devil rob you of your joy. Don't let the devil rob you of your gladness. Don't let the devil rob you of your praise. Don't let the devil rob you of the heavenlies right now because of the circumstances and the trials that you're going through. How many would say that's easier to preach than to live? I want to tell you something, my friends. As I was walking to church this morning, I said, I dare not share with the congregation with the trials that are in my heart right now. Because sometimes they're overwhelmed. Uh, I've, uh, Brother Rankin came up with this. He didn't come up with this verse. <laughs> it's in the Bible. It was there before Brother Rankin found it. But when Brother Rankin found it, I discovered it. Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, we'll sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We've been talking about this in our spiritual warfare on Wednesday nights. And sometimes, I, I you know... <laughs> It's like Brother Nathan's. Pastor Nathan says some things that just irritate me sometimes. He says, you're the one that chose to preach on spiritual warfare. As if it's all my fault. <laughs> Blame the preacher. He can handle it. 
But we've been talking about living in the heavenlies. And I tell you what, last Wednesday, we're going to talk a little bit more about this Wednesday. A dynamic truth. Dynamic truth. Living in the heavenlies. And all. And yet we see life going on and the pressures. When my heart is overwhelmed, the psalmist was saying, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's not that these pressures are not going to be there. They're not, it's not that you're not going to have the emotions and the struggles and all that. But you know where your hope comes from. And you can turn your eyes upon Jesus. Wow. So we've read these verses. God's power working in our lives. Now, I want you to, to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you've got it on the notes there, it might be on your notes if you see them as well. Now, Pastor Nathan preached on this uh, so long ago, three weeks ago, that you probably don't remember all that he said. So I want to give you some of the Greek words in this passage as well. I told him when he preached it that Sunday night, I said, you know, that was my text in the morning. We just didn't get to it. <laughs> now that we're here, I want you to notice some things. I want you to notice very carefully what it says here. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. And I have my notes here, and I want to bring out some of these words. Paul was probably one of the greatest prophets and great, not prophets, but greatest apostles. And notice what he says here. He says in chapter 12, and by the way, he, I think it was just before this that he had been stoned there in Lystra and, and raised. He said, I don't know whether I was alive or dead. He said, man, I saw in the glories of heaven and things I can't even describe. It was just so amazing. We, we have no idea what God has prepared up in heaven. Would you agree with that? He says... After that, after seeing this and everything, Paul understands that sometimes your successes can bring pride in your life. And if, you, if pride comes into your life, it takes away from the glory of the Lord. And so he says to the Corinthians, and by the way, by now, they had gotten right with God. Their church had turned around dynamically. And Paul's giving them this encouragement of such an one, talking about himself, Will I, or I mean of Jesus Christ, will I boast? Yet not of myself, yet of myself, I will not glory. If we're going to boast, we're going to boast in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, right or wrong. Not look at me, look at Jesus. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. We ought to help people to turn their eyes upon Jesus as we give them good counsel. He says, uh, uh, for such a one will... I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, in my struggles that I'm going through. For though I would desire to glory, Paul is saying, you know what? <laughs> and he's, he's, maybe sometimes we don't recognize when the preacher is really being honest. But what he is saying, it is in my mind. This is a battle that is taking place. Yes, I do want to boast. Yes, I do want to brag. Yes, I do want people to see. That's our human nature, isn't it? Look at me. Maybe you didn't get recognition and you think, man, I'm going to leave that church because someone didn't recognize me. Let me tell you something. The bottom seed of that is pride. Whether we get recognized or not, in fact, the Bible says that sometimes that recognition can steal our rewards in heaven. 
You read the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about that. He says, for though I desire, I have it in my mind, and it's in the aorist tense, which means it's there. <laughs> it's a part of the fabric of his mind. I shall not be a fool. You can write down the new word, stupid. Okay? I'm not going to be stupid. It is stupid for us to take the credit for what God allows us to do. He says, I will say the truth, but now I forbear. What he's saying is, I'm going to abstain. I'm not, I'm not going to tell people what's on my mind in, in this aspect of, of letting people praise me. In fact, you remember one time when they exalted uh, Paul up to be a god? Remember that in the book of Acts? He says, man, you guys must be Jupiter. Or I think uh, Paul was Mercury and, and all. And, and, uh, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. We're just like you. We're not any gods. Just because we can do these things, it's the power of God that's doing this. And it's interesting, they were heroes there from one minute, and they told them, hey, we're just men like you. Do you know what happened after that? They stoned him to death. I preached a, uh, a message entitled, Hero to Zero. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he was doing what was right. So just because you do what's right doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. And in fact, you will have. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Shall. Suffer persecution. Jesus Christ says, you know, they've persecuted me. They're going to persecute you greater. Do you think that's a part of the Christian fabric? Hey, man, if they told me that when I got saved, maybe I wouldn't have gotten saved. You know, some people get saved and they just say, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Well, yes, it's through Jesus Christ. But there's now a journey that you're living for him. And in that journey, you're establishing the rewards and the character. And you're helping other people on their journey. Some people get saved out of a selfish reason. Yes, I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with God. I mean, the alternative is not a good alternative. Would you agree? And so it says, uh, though I would desire to glory, I'm not going to be stupid, for I'll say the truth, but now I abstain, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth of me. I like that. You see the preacher on Sunday and he's got a nice coat and tie on and he's looking pretty sharp. He even combed his hair once in his life, you know. And, 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 but you don't, you don't know everybody in this room has the same struggles. We all go through those struggles. That's why God wants us to be encouraging to each other rather than discouraging. He says, I don't want you to think about me. He says, that he heareth of me. In verse 7, it says... Unless I should be exalted above measure. He uses that word in the passive tense, which means that his successes has the capability of working on him and exalting himself. In other words, the situation of life, not talking about the failures, and now he's talking about your successes can cause you to be exalted above measure and you begin to think that you're a pretty good person based on what you're accomplishing rather than understanding God's grace and mercy. He says, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me, he says, all right. He says, man, I'm going along and all these good things. He says, all of a sudden, I got this thorn. When I was little, I, I remember running 
into a thorn bush. And one of those thorns went right into my eye. That was painful. My dad came and pulled it out. You know, praise the Lord. There was no damage to my eye. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Do you have a thorn? Now, don't say it's my husband or my wife, okay? (laughs) He says, the messenger of Satan. The word Satan is an adversary. An adversary. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have an adversary. You know, I got down and, you know, whenever you go through struggles, you say, God, what is the, the source of this struggle? Is it sin? And it can be, right? Or it could be Satan because he's an adversary. He's the hinderer. It can be discipleship where God is allowing the difficulty in your life to build qualities and tried character. Or it could be not even about you at all. It could be for somebody else. That's powerful. I hope we can remember that because oftentimes when we have struggles, we think God doesn't love us or we're we're going through this. I got down on my knees because this week has been a kind of a, um, how would you describe this week, Gary? Challenging week. Challenging week. And I got down on my knees and I says, oh God, will you show me what's going on? Is there something that I need to change? And and of course, whenever I say, God, is there something I need to change? Take the next two hours, all right? Because I says, but why are these things taking place? You know what God said right away, Nanine? Nanel. He said, he said, Satan is a hinderer. Is he not? He's a hinderer. And then he says this, I want you to grow. In other words, couldn't God keep the hinderer back? He could. Guess what book I'm reading in my devotions this week? The book of Job. That's a great book to be reading, isn't it? Whoa! (laughs) He says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, this adversary. And that word buffet means to treat with violence. It's not just a little slap on the face. It's a whack. That's how he's describing this. Have you ever felt like you've been smacked? To buffet me. But then notice what Paul says. Would you say that this is a mature answer? He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul is saying. I'd rather be smacked. I'd rather have this thorn in my flesh than not to bring glory to the Lord. How many of you are there? I'm not. I'm not. I wish I were. I'm not. The maturity of what he's bringing out here. He says, for this thing, as he's going through it, you can imagine, Paul says, just like all of us, when we have problems, Lord, would you take this from me? He says, I besought the Lord. The word besought there is the word paraclete, which is come alongside God, help me take this away from me. And he says, I did it three times. How many have ever stopped three times in praying for something to be taken away? That I might, that it might depart from me. 
The word depart there means stand down. Stand down. And God doesn't make it stand down. God allowed it to stay. And Paul is giving praise to the Lord, saying, lest I be exalted above measure. And then he says, and he said, and I like this. Uh, where are we up there? Uh, there you go, verse 9. And he said unto me, aren't you glad when God talks to you? And this is the only way you can get through these things is to hear what God has to say about it. He says, my grace is enough. It's sufficient. Paul is giving this out as a testimony. Uh, He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And then notice, my strength, God's strength, is made perfect or matured or tried character. The idea that it is made strong. You're on your journey. Your strength is made uh, perfect in your weakness. When you realize that you need to depend on God for everything, then am I strong. Right or wrong? You see, when we think we can do it without Him, He has a way to help us to understand we can't. And the sooner you catch that message, the better off you will be. And I will be. Most Now, now, now listen, this is, you know... He only asked three times and then he gets this message from God and God, maybe that's why he stopped praying after three times because God answered. You see what I'm saying? So why keep on answering when you get the answer or keep on asking when you get the answer? And after he got this answer, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul. Then Paul says, most gladly. How many of you are there? Are you there, Bev? Not quite. <laughs> yeah. The more times I study this, the more further I'm not getting there. Sometimes I feel like I'm back to Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. Wow. Therefore, Oh, man. You know, those therefores are therefore for a reason. I take what? Pleasure. How many are there? Y'all, you know, we should have the altar filled this morning because we're not there. Or we ought to be asking God, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And I have. I've been asking God to forgive me. You know, of all the things that we've seen God do. I take pleasure in infirmities. You know, the word pleasure means to think it good. To determine, to decide that what is happening is good. Uh, Gary, isn't it what we say? For I know all things work together for the good. Really? Really? It's an absolute truth. You need and I need to come to the place where we can accept that. In our lives and understand that we have a sovereign God who knows what's best about our lives. Wow. And when you come to that, you can have a peace 
That passes all understanding. Therefore, I take pleasures in these infirmities, in reproaches. The idea of reproaches is people putting you down. You're like someone saying, you know, Phil, he's a jerk. No, he's not a jerk. I picked on Phil because we all know that Phil's not a jerk, right? <laughs> For our guest that's here, Phil is not a jerk. He's one of our deacons. He's one of the great servants. He's the bionic man after uh, next Thursday. <laughs> he says, in reproaches, people putting you down. I don't know, when people start talking about me, I, I don't think it good. In necessity, things needed. This word necessity is, is uh, used there in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, uh, giving of necessity. God, he says, these things, though, are of necessity. The trials that you're going through is needed. And, and Pastor Nathan, remember when he preached on this? He used the word, he says, that God's trials and tribulations are gifts. Are gifts to us to build our lives. Because it's through those trials and tribulations that in persecutions, in distresses, the word distress there is to be squeezed. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. You say, why did that have to happen? Necessity. Necessity. God is trying to build our lives. How many go kicking and screaming when God's trying to build your life? <laughs> we do. Do you know why we do? Selfish. My life is about my pleasures, my things, my toys, rather than surrendering it all. And God, you own everything. You know, Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name. Of the Lord. Let's finish this. One of my verses that I've been coming up with rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Can I just say this? This is a powerful, powerful verse. Rejoicing in hope. I'm not rejoicing in my new car. Not that I'm not thankful for it. Catch, catch a difference, all right? Hope is confidence. I have confidence in the Lord. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Confidence in hope. Rejoicing in hope. I have rejoicing in the Lord. I can be praising because of who God is. And that's why he says, rejoice always. Because the Lord never changes, does he? Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Do you know what the word patient means? It says, remain in it. You're remaining in these tribulations. You can persevere in these, pers uh, these tribulations. But you're in it. In other words, it's not going away. It's there. Paul says, I besought the Lord and it doesn't go away. Have it ever occurred to you that there are some things in your life that might never go away? Are we going to love him less because he doesn't take this affliction away from us? Rejoice and be exceeding 
glad. And then continuing instant in prayer. Oftentimes when the troubles come our way, you know, we start focusing on that rather than saying, God, you're in control. How do you want to handle this? How do you want me to handle this? You know, if we could get in the habit of praying, uh, so often we go down in our journey and here's these trials, here's these struggles. And we're going down the, this journey and maybe we've gone a day or two even and all of a sudden it occurred to us, man, why didn't I pray about that? You know, last Sunday, uh, Brother McAllister's message, I really enjoyed it. But you know what really got a hold of my heart? was the invitation song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All the needless pain we carry because we do not bring it before the Lord in prayer. Boy, there's, there's some powerful words there. Continuing in some prayer. I started to remember, I mean, there's, there's I think, about 40 verses that I've remember, memorized. I, I struggle with some of the references and how they start and things like that, so don't look at me as a super mind. You all know that this, this mind is pretty limited. But it's wonderful that even though I've forgotten them, this program that I have on my phone, it brings these verses up and it regurgitates them. And, and forever, 15 days or 30 days, it brings up the verses that you'd learned uh, prior to that. And, 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 and in this, if you don't do well with the verse, it brings it up more often. If you do real well with a verse, it doesn't bring it up, but for two months. Some of them are brought, being brought up every other day for me because I'm, I'm not doing as well as I'd like to do. But this is one of those rejoicing in hope. And, you know, I quote it and quote it. And every time I quote it, it seems like there's truth that just comforts my soul. And then this is the latest verse that I'm learning this week. Now, the God of hope. Confident expectation. What am I confidently expecting? I am confidently expecting heaven. I have no doubts that I'm going to go to heaven. Because I have Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to call God a liar. Because God said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My trust is in Jesus. Now the God of hope. Confident expectation. Now the God of hope. I have confident expectation that God does all things well. I have confident expectation that Romans 8, uh, 28 is true. Fill you. And that word fill is the idea of controlling you. And I want you to catch this. Controlling you with what? Joy. Joy. And what? Peace. But notice the last uh, prepositional phrase there. What does it say? In believing. In other words, you say, I want to have this joy and I want to have this peace. Then you, my friend, and I must believe that God is who he is and that he is sovereign and he is in control of all things. We have lost sight of that in many things that we go about in our daily lives because we're taking ownership of those things rather than giving our lives to Jesus Christ. He says that you may abound. You know what the word abound means? You take a, a, a glass, you put it under the faucet, and you turn on the spigot, Brother Bob, and the water comes in there, and you don't turn over the spigot. What happens to the water going in the glass? It starts spilling out. He says that you might abound in this confident expectation. And I like the last part. 
unless you think you can do it yourself and you can come to this place where you recognize all this by yourself. And I'm sure most of us have realized we're not doing a very good job with it. He says it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now that's something to meditate on, Donna. That I'm really going to gain ownership on this. It's going to be God creating and helping me through it. It's not going to be my own self. There's a big difference between trying and trusting. Trusting Jesus day by day. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed if we could for a moment. I didn't get to the redounding glory, so it looks like we'll come to that last portion next week. But as you ponder what you have, and I think maybe the reason we didn't get there is there's enough to chew on right now. And I personally believe that this is so counterculture, that this is so counter even today's Christianity that we need to chew on this. We need to meditate on this. And next week as I talk about this redounding glory and how these things actually manifest themselves into greater glory. Can we just stop right now and say, what did I learn today? And what am I going to do with what I've learned today? Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Ghost. Wow. There's a big difference between believing something in your head and in your heart. The same with salvation, isn't it? I can believe in Jesus in my head. In fact, I've always believed in Jesus in my head. But it comes a time where I invite him into my heart. And I say, I'm going to trust in Jesus to take me to heaven. I'm going to tell you something, my friend. That's a great place to be. If you've not done that, then I encourage you to do it right now. Lord, I want to trust you to take me to heaven. Not my good works, not my church, not my religion, not my family, not what I do good, but... I'm going to trust in Jesus. That's why he had to die on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus died for you and for me. Put your trust in him. And if you're trusting him to take you to heaven now, praise the Lord for that. Can you imagine? You're you're trusting Jesus for the destiny of your soul for eternity. Why do we struggle so with trusting Him for the journey that is between now and when we die? Oh, there's a lot of selfishness there. There's a lot of misunderstanding as far as the complexity of life and the trials and tests and the trail we're on. Can we give Him praise? Can we, like Paul, can we come to that maturing process where these tribulations is going to be working this patience, which is going to be working this tried character, which is going to bring this confident expectation that it's not like every time you face a trial, you have to start from ground zero, but you have a confident expectation of who God is and that He is the owner and author of your life. Now, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm going to tell you, you don't know how much I've been preaching to myself this morning. But if you've gotten in on that and you've been to understand that, why not ask God, open my eyes to understand. 
Open my eyes to understand. Maybe we'll sing that instead, honey. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Oh, God, open my eyes. If we're looking at ourselves, we're not going to see. All we're going to see is the difficulty. If we open our eyes and we see God and we see His glory and how that through this I can be bringing Him glory through my responses and the world looks at me and says, how can you have peace in the midst of cancer? How can you have peace in the midst of a five-way bypass? How can you have peace in the midst of a financial downturn and you've lost everything? Because my hope is in the Lord. So, Father, now in these decisions, mine this morning, I, we lift ours up together. Some need to be saved this morning. I pray that you'll help them to come to Christ. Help their eyes to be open to understand the marvelous grace that you sent your son to die on the cross. By simply trusting. And then, Lord, open our eyes to understand this journey, this path. The roses, oh, if we keep our eyes upon Jesus. But Lord, if we look down upon this path here, it's filled with difficulties and struggles. Yet Paul came to understand, I will rejoice and I'll be glad in this thorn that doesn't leave me. Because I understand that when I am weak, then am I strong. Lord, Lord if we don't catch that part of the equation, we're going to miss the equation. When I am weak, then am I strong. Lord, I know you allow the difficulties to come our way because you want to have redounding glory. So instead of us complaining, instead of us falling apart in our emotions, help us to praise you and be glad in who you are and rejoice in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Jesus' name. What's the invitation number? 448. 448. Turn. Open mine eyes. You know, we maybe could have sang that at the very beginning. But you know what? Listen to me. A message only goes as far as we allow it to go. And so you've heard today. The Bible says don't be just hearers, but be doers. We need to take out and meditate. Now, we need to take what we've heard and go home and ponder it. Yes or no? We can make some decisions, God. Forgive us. Help us to gain ownership of this. Let's stand together, 448, and let's sing it. And if you need to respond this morning, you want to say, I want to get saved, or I want to just get some things right with the Lord, you just come this morning and deal with that. Let's sing it. people going to and fro, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I was thinking of it, the way we drive our cars and things like that. But you know, sometimes our soul goes that way. Back and forth, back and forth. May we
we just go on for Jesus Christ. If there's other concerns that you have this morning, I encourage you, would you just come visit with me or visit with somebody or set up a time we can visit this week before the week's out. You know, when something's fresh on your mind, don't let the devil take the seed off. We want it to grow into the fruit that God wants it to be. Isn't that right, Donna? So we got some uh, uh, announcements here at the end. A Faith Bible Institute, get signed up. It's a wonderful program. We have scholarships available if you, uh, you need that and all. And then uh, people are going to the goat farm. I hope we bring our kids home also from that, all right? I'm not sure if they're putting up a picture of some of our kids up there or not. Ah, pun, in, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> No one else got it but me. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Intern meals. You saw Patrick. You saw Drew last week. They're skinny. They need to be fattened up. Make sure you do that. Softball, we start tomorrow night. Playing tomorrow night softball. We need some sluggers out there, all right? Not sluggers, but sluggers or however you want to say it. And then donations for Vacation Bible School. We don't need anything, all right? It's all taken care of. Amen to that? Wow. You, some of you know Brother Willis Builderback passed away uh, on Monday. And his viewing is tomorrow at Lane Memorial from 3 to 6. You just need to be in prayer for uh, the uh, Builderback's wonderful servant of the Lord. And though these past few, few years has been infirmed, he's a World War II veteran. And uh, so his... Uh, his memorial will be later on in the month, but then the uh, cemetery up at the National Cemetery is where he'll be buried, and that'll be on Tuesday at noon. All right? Any other concerns, sign-ups in there in the back? That's all those that are back there are listed up above. You are dismissed. <laughs>